Make a big noise, pain in the street, gonna be a big man someday. You got mud on your face, you big disgrace. Kicking your can all over the place, singing, We will, we will rock you. Is anybody alive out there? Is anybody alive out there? Keep checking. Is anybody alive out there? And welcome, welcome, welcome. How is everyone doing on this Friday, September 30th, the year 2022, as the sports buzz is back for episode number four, as we bring you thought-provoking, hard-hitting, passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto, and we have a lot to chat about in the course of this Sports Buzz podcast, as there is a lot happening as the baseball season is quickly winding down. And on Wednesday night, we got to witness history here in the New York metro area as Aaron Judge did something incredible. And the payoff. There goes the deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 61. He ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two-run Judgean blast. Here comes the judge. A two-run blast, and the Yankees take a 5-3 lead on number 61 for Judge. And nobody does it better than the man himself, John Sterling, and everybody who was listening to Sports Radio 66, WFAN in New York, got to hear that call on Wednesday night as Aaron Judge did what we were all hoping he would do, and he tied Roger Maris for 61 home runs. And the Yankees are playing the Baltimore Orioles in a weekend series in the Bronx as Aaron Judge, who did the insurmountable on Wednesday night by hitting his 61st home run, will try and now make history and be the first ever to hit 62 in a single season in the American League. And we've had significant storylines in the New York metro area all week when it comes to baseball as both teams are fighting for postseason positioning. You have the Mets vying to win a division. You have the Yankees who clinched the AL East and will get into the postseason. And you have the biggest name in the American League right now going after 62 home runs, and you also have one of the best players in the American League going after the Triple Crown, and that guy is Aaron Judge. Let me welcome in the one, the only, my partner, Andy Loigu. Andy, good Friday evening to you, my friend. And to you, yeah. I recall just a week ago we were doing this show as... uh... Albert Pujols uh, hit number 700, so uh, 
might be another lucky night tonight. Uh, it's interesting that Judge is batting first in the lineup. You know, that's Aaron Boone giving him a chance to get that extra at bat. Because every time you turn the lineup over, he's uh, starting it right off again. So uh, that, that's a special accommodation, I guess, Aaron Judge. Uh, I'm old enough to have seen Roger Maris when he hit numbers uh, 60 and 61, and he was batting third in those days. He batted third almost that entire season. And uh, it really, really brings back memories of Roger Maris for uh, those of us who are old enough to remember those days. When you look at the sport of baseball, Andy, there is no other sport, whether it's the NBA, whether it's football, whether it's the NHL, there is no other sport that can make for as a dramatic moment as baseball can when you're chasing a record. And we saw a lot of those riveting moments with Albert Pujols going for the 700 mark last week, getting that last Friday night, 699 and 700 against the Dodgers, and then Judge doing what we all wanted him to do, and that was go after Maris. And now we all just eagerly sit on the edge of our seat as he tries to hit 62. You know, it's funny. I can think of uh, one NBA game that would have rivaled uh, when you're talking about a statistic. And, uh, again, I'm old enough to remember it. Uh, March 2nd, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points in one NBA game against the Knicks. And nobody's ever come close to that ever since. But uh, I remember that was pretty special, a 100-point point game by one player. But you're right, when it comes to statistical milestones, uh, baseball is in a league of its own as far as uh, the excitement that can be generated by numbers, statistical numbers. (laughs) And so far, Judge has a hit tonight, but it's not that 60-second home run that we're all anticipating as the Orioles lead the Yankees 2-1, to and the Orioles came into this game sadly short of a postseason appearance as they were tough and gritty throughout the second half of this season and played very hard for their young manager, Brandon Hyde. They lead 2-1 to tonight, but they will not be eyeing any postseason aspirations as that fell short. The Red Sox and Blue Jays are playing together in a weekend series, and the Blue Jays have a 4-0 lead as they clinched a postseason berth, and they get ready to play some October baseball as they will just be playing their next few games out to try and better position themselves for postseason play in that 4-5-6 wildcard spot. Guardians are on top of the Royals 6-3 to at the end of the 7th. The Twins are beating the Tigers 3-0. And in what is probably a must-watch weekend series and the biggest series as this season dwindles down to its final five games at the conclusion of tonight, DeGrom took the slab for the New York Mets, but sadly, Andy, in the top of the seventh, the New York Mets are down 3-1 to one, as the Mets do own the tiebreaker against the Atlanta Braves this year, but they at least have to take one game in this series to be comfortable knowing that they can capture that division title. And so far, the pesky Braves the fighting Braves, the Braves that never say die at 97 and 59, a game out of the division are up 
3-1 to one in what is a must-win situation from here on out for Bryant Snickers Club if they want to get back to being division champs in the NL East. Well, yeah, the Braves didn't win the World Series last year by accident. That's a good team. <laughs> and uh, one thing that's made the Mets interesting all year is uh, the Mets have had a lot of come-from-behind wins, a lot of them. But in the postseason, you know, the you're facing a better caliber of pitching, so it'll it'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, you never count the Mets out. They've had a way of putting rallies together, and uh, one team that I can remember that continued getting those rallies in the postseason was the Angels of 2002. Uh, you may be old enough to remember that team, the Rally Monkey, and they had some historic rallies in the World Series. They're down five to nothing and just uh, three outs away from being eliminated, and they won a game. I mean, <laughs> that was a rallying team. Uh, the Mets kind of remind me of that group. Only the Mets, uh, they have that, that apple there, but, uh, you know, the rally monkey, that, that would really get the fans going, I recall. That, that was something pretty special. Well, Eduardo Escobar got the fans going Wednesday night when he put the team on his back, and the bat showed up to do some work as he drove in a homer, and drove in all five late runs as the Mets rallied back to beat the Marlins in what was a must-win game for them. And by doing that, they took a lead in the division by one game because of the bat of Eduardo Escobar. And what an integral piece of this offensive lineup has Escobar been this year for the Mets he's done it all along with Lindor along with Alonzo who's had an MVP season up and down this Met lineup you've had catalyst year in and year out but it seems like of late Andy when the Mets need the big hit in the worst way Escobar answers with the bat yeah he's been Mr. September that's for sure uh yeah he got off the slow start but uh Hey, he was a good pickup. You know, the Mets uh, did some good personnel moves this year that have worked out for them, and he, he's certainly one of them. And he's not platooning anymore. He's uh, He's got that third base job. That's his now. Yes, absolutely. And the Marlins are playing their final season stretch and their final weekend series against the Brewers, who are battling day in and day out against the Phillies. Phillies. For that third wild card spot in the National League, and that is going to go right down to the wire. And for the Marlins, it's about playing with pride the rest of the way for their manager, Don Mattingly, as it was announced earlier this week that Don Mattingly will not return for the 2023 season in the dugout for the Miami Marlins. So Mattingly will be managing his final five games after tonight with a Marlins cap on. Astros and Rays all even at one apiece as the Rays continue their trajectory towards postseason play. Year in and year out, the Rays have become a familiar name in the month of October, Andy, and they always seem to be in the thick of it when it matters the most out of the American League East. What a job Kevin Cash has done with a young club and a low payroll year in and year out. Well, the Rays seem to overachieve every year, (laughs) but... It looks like the American League is pretty well set, uh, except, uh, yeah, the only team the Orioles still have even a remote chance of catching is the Mariners now. The the Blue Jays and the Rays have uh, punched their tickets into the playoffs. Now, those Cleveland Guardians, that's a young team, and uh, I don't think anybody is picking them to win the Central Division when the season started. I think the, 
consensus pick was the White Sox, but there they are, the Cleveland Guardians, Central Division champs. Oh, Terry Francona does it one more time. Yes, he does, and, and the Mariners it, have a shot to get into the postseason the first time in 21 years since, 21 they, years, since yep. they will get into a postseason, and all they need to do tonight is beat the Athletics, and if that happens, they'll be stamping their ticket to postseason play. Yeah, and the last time the Mariners were in postseason play, they had people like Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. And Lou Pinella as manager. Martinez and uh, Lou Pinella as the manager. Yeah, that goes back a ways. Yeah, I remember they had that exciting uh, five-game playoff series of the Yankees there where Ken Griffey uh, slid in with uh, the winning run. Uh, that was quite a playoff series they had of the Yankees that I remember. And the Phillies did their job in what was supposed to be a day-night doubleheader in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. They won the first game 5-1. to one. They were postponed tonight, so we will have a doubleheader day-night tomorrow, 105 and 705 between the Phillies and the Nats as the Phillies are in a must-win situation over the next five games if they want any chance at holding serve on that third wild-card spot as the last few games for them, Andy, have not been welcoming. They have not gotten the job done when they've needed to, to really put themselves in a comfortable position towards postseason play. Yeah, they didn't hit. And, you know, those Cubs have been pretty amazing in September. They swept a series from the Mets, and they swept a series from the Phillies. So even though the Cubs have been uh, out of it, those guys are playing the show that they belong in the majors. And I'd say from what I've seen of the Cubs this month, uh, I think they'll be back in contention next year. You know, sometimes something like this with a young team can carry over. And uh, given the Cubs credit that they uh, haven't packed it in, uh, you know, since they're not in contention, but they played these contending teams real tough, especially the pitching. They do, Andy, and the Mets are still down 3-1. to one. Tyler McGill is in the game now pitching for the Mets. Darno at the plate. The Braves have one on, nobody out. McGill started the season real well with the Mets, and then he got hurt. He did. You got to really give it up to the Atlanta Braves and the job that Brian Snitker and Anthopolis, the GM, has done with this team. They lose Freddie Freeman. Everybody thinks it's going to be a down year for them when the season starts. Everybody feels that there's not enough pieces there for them to win now. They get off yeah, to a. They got Olsen. He's been a good replacement. Yeah, they got off to a slow start. But they turned it up in the middle of this season, Andy, and they haven't looked back, and they don't lose baseball games. And the Braves right now are going to be a scary team, whether they win the division or get in as a wild card. They are going to be an extremely tough out in the postseason coming off of that championship last year. Well, they're a good organization, and they always uh, finish well. I mean, this isn't the first time that they've made a real good September run. Uh, they, they've done it plenty of times, and uh, this is nothing new out of the Braves. Uh, it's just a quality organization that keeps on improving as the season goes along. They manage to do it right. They're always playing their best baseball when it matters the most, and uh, they've done it again now. 
And the Cardinals are playing a weekend set against the Pirates. The Cardinals stamped their ticket to postseason play. And what a year they've had also with the bat of Albert Pujols as he has been a big catalyst for this Cardinal baseball team. And the Cardinals are another team that will enter October as a very dangerous team as they have some good pitching. They got some veteran hitters. They got some power hitters and they have a pretty decent bullpen, especially on the back end. Yeah. The uh, Phillies, if they do manage to hold on to their playoff spot, would be playing the Cardinals in that first round. And uh, what worries me for the Phillies is uh, now they should win these games with Washington, but then they've got three games in Houston. And even though Houston's uh, clinched everything uh, they want to clinch, there's still some pride in that Houston team and uh, some good pitching, and the Phillies are not going to have an easy time of it in the Minute Maid Park in Houston next week, that's for sure. And the San Diego Padres are still hoping that their postseason aspirations come true as they are playing a weekend set against the White Sox without Tony Larusa and without Tony Larusa returning for the 2023 season as the White Sox announced earlier this week that they will not retain the 77-year-old Tony Larusa for the 2023 season as things did not go as planned on the south side of Chicago for this team when Reinsdorf put his faith in Larusa to lead this team to winning success Andy yeah and you know the Padres considering what happened with Tatis which was ridiculous on Tatis's part uh, Manny Machado has certainly done his part you know, because Juan Soto didn't get off the lightning start when he went there, and Machado's been holding that team together. He's kind of like been like Aaron Judge of the Yankees in the American League, where he's been the one guy who's been hitting and has kept things going for that team. And uh, I wouldn't argue at all if uh, Machado and Judge were the two MVPs this year. No, not at all. And also, Josh Bell needs to show a little bit more with the bat, too, because when he came over from the Nationals, too, he has not done much in a Padre uniform. Yeah, the Padres traded for a couple of hitters, and I'm surprised uh, with Soto because that guy was so good and so consistent, and he's still so young, but I guess everybody gets a slump sometime. Well, you also have to wonder, too, if maybe the West Coast just isn't as friendly to him from a play standpoint on the diamond. Maybe the ballpark isn't as friendly to him. You'd have to wonder if that has an effect on him because basically you're taking all of the stats you've had as a national and you're bringing that to a different city, a different coast, and a different ballpark. And sometimes your comfort levels can change once you go to a different ballpark or different city. And maybe it just affected Soto to a point this season where he hasn't been able to perform up to the expectations that the Padres envisioned when they brought him over. Yeah, not only ball players, but people in general are creatures of habit. And you get comfortable in a certain situation and, uh, you know, you have confidence, you have everything going for you, and uh, there's always an adjustment when you change where you live, change where you work, you're with a whole new set of people, and you never know what's going on behind the scenes, and uh, and sometimes, uh, you know, you put pressure on yourselves, and baseball's not a sport where that's good, you know, you, you know, certainly in basketball and football, you can give the pep talk, and come on, you got to get out there and kill them, and you got to get out there and give it everything, but 
in baseball, there is such a thing as trying too hard sometimes. You know, if you get out of your rhythm uh, and you start pressing uh, and forcing things, uh, it, it doesn't happen for you. It's a sport where really sometimes you can be trying too hard. And uh, that happens, I think, sometimes when they're expected to lift up a team in a trade like that. And you're always going to have a team or player that slumps, too. It's a long, grueling 162-game season. You're not going to be perfect every single day that you take to the baseball diamond. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. But you have to learn how to make the proper adjustments and fundamentals when necessary to get yourself or your team back on the map and back to their winning ways if you have any aspects aspirations of being a playoff baseball team yeah and Machado has been a big part of it both at bat and in the field the guy is an outstanding third baseman they have those plays of the day he seems like man man, he's been there almost every other day at third base there he was a big time uh, player when he was with the Orioles and it's nice to see that he brought that over to uh, San San Diego. Diego and then the Mariners have a big series a win and they'll be in and they got a big series against the A's this weekend in Seattle and it'll be nice to see them get in and celebrate that on their home diamond in Seattle, Washington. The Dodgers are finishing out what is another remarkable run for that franchise under the leadership of their manager in L.A., 108-48 is their record. They'll be playing the Rockies this weekend. The Giants, who underachieved drastically this season, will play the Diamondbacks in their final weekend series of the 2022 season, Andy. Yeah, and the Dodgers there, 108, that's exactly two out of every three. And uh, all the Dodger pennant winners they've had over the years, and there have been a lot of them going back to uh, the days there in Brooklyn, this is their franchise record for wins in a season. So that, that's been a pretty special group over there. And just the way they do it year in and year out, they don't only get it from their starting pitching. They get it from their offense. They get production from their bullpen. And when one side of it isn't clicking, whether that's the starting pitching or the bullpen, the offense finds a way to win a game. Or if the offense isn't clicking, you get good starting pitching and they keep you in a close game with a chance to win it in the latter innings. When you look at this Dodger team, Andy, they've just built themselves up to be a powerhouse year in and year out. And this is their 10th straight year in the playoffs. And, uh, they also made a good trade with the Washington Nationals getting Trey Turner there. They lead the league in Turners. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the, uh, the Mets fans remember uh, Justin Turner. Well, it's funny, Justin Turner was just kind of getting his feet wet with the Mets. And uh, the Mets have often done this. Uh, they haven't given a young, struggling player a chance, and then they become a better player somewhere else. And Justin Turner is one of those uh, that they've had over the years. And they've gotten a ton of consistency, too, year in and year out from one of their star-studded pitchers in Clayton Kershaw. He's 10-3 and this year with a 2-4-2 earn run average. And every year when you need this guy to step up in a big spot, Andy, he finds a way to win a big game. He's been more productive in the regular season than he has in some big postseason games. But when you need Kershaw to step up, he's come through time and time again for this Dodger franchise. And Mookie Betts went there from Boston, and Mookie Betts was was already a terrific player with Boston. 
and uh, yet uh, the Dodgers managed to get a hold of him. And uh, one thing I've been keeping my eye on with Mookie Betts now, it may not happen this year, but you know, he's won the MVP in the American League. And there's only one guy in the history of baseball who's won the MVP award in both leagues, and that was Frank Robinson with uh, Cincinnati in 61 and then with Baltimore in 66. And I've always thought, now Mookie Betts, uh, he could be maybe the second guy to ever win the most valuable player in both leagues, although the National League has some better candidates than him this year. But uh, I've had a feeling Mookie's going to do that one of these years. He is a tremendous ball player offensively and defensively who really sparks them. You know, he's been their, their leadoff guy, and he's the, he's, he's the guy who, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, an old expression from the 70s there. And he could be one of the key components that get the Dodgers back to another World Series appearance. Jacob DeGrom went six innings tonight, 11 strikeouts. He did give up three runs on five hits. So you can have 11 Ks, but when you give up three runs, it's not going to be a good night. And the Mets are in the bottom of the seventh, two out. And sadly, the Braves have a four-run lead as they lead the game 5-1 to one in the bottom of the seventh at True East Park in Atlanta. Tyler McGill only went a half an inning, gave up three hits, two runs, two of them earned. Now Trevor May is in the game trying to get the Mets out of the seventh and to the eighth by limiting the damage. So, so far, the weekend has not started off well for the New York Mets. And right now, the Braves are showing why they're superior, Andy, because they're getting key hits, they're getting big hits, and they're doing what they need to do with their pitching. Freed went five innings, four hits, one run, one earned, only three strikeouts. But you know Freed as well as I do. He's not a huge strikeout pitcher. He's more of a ground-out type of pitcher. He gets the opposing offense to ground out a lot, and therefore that's where you calculate a lot of your outs in a nine-inning game. Yeah, it keeps that ball low, has that sinker going. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that Mets fans and Phillies fans have in common. Both fan bases are sick and tired of hearing this. The tomahawk chop. Well, I'm going to say one thing tonight on this broadcast, Andy, and I've been high on this Met team all season. I've been high on the Buck Show, Walter Hire. I told you a few weeks back it was one of the best hires in probably a decade for this franchise. I'm going to say this. It will be a huge letdown and a huge disappointment if this team does not find a way to win the division. You cannot, after the year you've had, lose this division to an Atlanta Braves ball club and have to play in a wild card round and have to subject your two star-studded pitchers to pitch extra games to try and propel you to a full classic. And I will make a big statement right now on this broadcast tonight. On September 30th, remember I said this to everyone listening, if the New York Mets do not win the National League East, they will not go to a World Series in 2022. Bottom line. Very difficult. Yeah, the way the playoffs are set up, too, uh, 
they've made it very hard for the wild card teams. And it's going to be a long playoffs. I don't see how they'll get these playoffs finished in October. Somebody's going to be Mr. November this year. But yeah, the Mets did have a 10-game lead. And, and it isn't like that. they've been awful since they had that 10-game lead. It's just that Atlanta has been that hot. Absolutely. And that's why I'm worried with this weekend series, because the Braves don't find ways to lose games anymore. And that that worries me, especially the Mets on the road. You need these games in the worst way. Top of the eighth, Baltimore leads the Yankees 2-1 to one as Aaron Judge is still shy of that 62 home run chase. We know he tied Maris at 61, but he's looking for 62. He's got two at-bats tonight with one hit and a walk and a strikeout but he doesn't have the big long ball at the house that Homer's built, Yankee Stadium. Well, the hit helps his cause for the Triple Crown. I mean, uh, a guy with that many home runs winning a Triple Crown, that would be new. I think uh, Mantle had, I think, 56 in his uh, Triple Crown year. But usually it's been guys in their 40s, you know, hitting 40-some home runs in their Triple Crown years. Triple Crown for a judge would be really something. And, you know, I... I'm happy for him because uh, I've covered minor league baseball a lot. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, newspaper coverage of minor league baseball. And I remember when Aaron Judge was with the Trenton Thunder, and he looked like an awkward baby giraffe. <laughs> you know, you, you weren't really sure what kind of a player he was going to be in the major leagues. I've just been amazed uh, to see what he's been doing in the big leagues. Have you ever in your lifetime, though, Andy, and I've known you've watched a ton of sports throughout your lifetime, though, but have you ever seen anybody with the ability and the fortitude of what Judge has done in one single season? Because he really is the catalyst that has propelled the Yankees to get into the postseason. He has been the catalyst that has put this team front and center in the American League. And there's one thing standing in their way as I speak to you tonight on September 30th, and that is the Houston Astros. And I think it's going to come down to not only pitching for the Yankees, but it's going to come down to Aaron Judge and what he can do as an offensive catalyst in an ALCS if the Yankees have World Series aspirations because it's going to be an ALCS if we are so fortunate to see it between the Yankees and the Astros. The Astros are going to have the home field and the Astros have owned the Yankees in postseason play and the Yankees have been a huge home run hitting ball club this year. They've relied on it. They've depended on it and a majority of their runs this season has come via the long ball and the short fence at Yankee Stadium helps that but on the road the extra pressure of looking to hit the ball out of the park could come back and haunt this Yankee team that has seen Judge one of the best home run hitters in the sport go out there day after day and propel the offense with the home run ball. Well the Astros have a complete lineup and the Yankees uh, just have Aaron Judge uh, judges have been carrying them, which is uh, one thing. If you compare Judge's season to Roger Maris's uh, 1961 season, Maris had a hot Mickey Mantle hitting behind him. Maris had 61 homers. Mantle had 54 homers. And uh, Ralph Houck was consistent with that lineup. Maris was third. Mantle was fourth day after day. 
and Mantle was backed up by Yogi Berra. Here he had Roger Maris with Mantle and Yogi Berra backing him up. Judge says it had that kind of protection, and uh, but yet he's doing what he's doing. Uh, just all that much more credit to him. The New York Mets had a run in the top of the eighth as Tomas Nito hits one out. Now it's 5-2 Braves as the Mets hope to have a rally in them as they play game one of a three-game weekend set at True East Park in Atlanta. I'm Kevin Wolf. He's Andy Loigu, and you are listening to the Sports Buzz. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto as we come to you live on Clubhouse, streaming this very broadcast, a broadcast that aired from 2006 to 2010 on 91.9 WNTI FM in Hackettstown on a powerhouse FM radio station. We decided after 13 years to get the band back together and recreate the magic on FM radio and bring it to the digital space. Sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com. Sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com is where you can reach me. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll talk some NFL football. We have some college football to talk about. We have a lot more to do, and we also have to mention Tua Tungavailoa and the head injury last night and the ineptitude of the Miami Dolphins for potentially risking their quarterback's life on the football field after back-to-back hard hits in Week 3 and week four and now we question the medical staff the dolphin franchise the first year young head coach and we have to wonder what the rest of this season will hold with Tua getting knocked down and hit hard on the football field we're going to step aside for a break we'll come back and we will have more great sports talk banter coming your way While serving in Iraq, an IED took both my legs, but it didn't take my spirit. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I'm Greg Gadsden, Army veteran. DAV helps veterans and their families get the benefits they've earned. Today, I'm an entrepreneur, photographer, and public speaker. With the right support, more veterans can reach victories great and small. My victory is just being the best that I can be. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu talking sports with you. Our daily motto is passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan. And we try to deliver that every time we take to the microphone and give you great sports talk content. You're not going to get this on commercial radio. You're not going to get this on the satellite subscription service of Sirius XM Radio, but you're guaranteed to get it weekly on Clubhouse, and you're guaranteed to get it in podcast form. Week four of the NFL season started as the Cincinnati Bengals played on Amazon Prime last night with technical issues and glitches galore as they go to two and two and they took on a Dolphins team that could have went to four and oh and have been the talk of the AFC early on in this young season. But instead of the Dolphins going to four and oh, they lost 27 to 15 and their quarterback now has a lot of question marks surrounding him as this season continues as back to back weeks, Tunga Tuavaloa 
got hit hard. And what you thought was a concussion in week three, the team claimed and he claimed that it was a back injury. But last night when he was hit to the ground hard in that second quarter, he got a concussion and the way his fingers were positioned from that head injury told you all you needed to know about how bad of an injury that was. And the Miami fans were very concerned as he was wheeled off the field in a stretcher. You got to blame the NFL in some regard for their concussion protocol and not fully getting a full report on what ultimately happened against the Bills in week three that led to this concussion injury last night, Andy, because he was knocked down in week three, was limping a little bit when he got up, came back into the game and continued to play, and then last night he got hit so hard he couldn't even stand up. He had to be wheeled off the field, and the Dolphins left every fan speechless along with the Amazon prime crew with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet who really didn't seem to make any significant exchange about the fact that Tua Tagovailoa was playing with a possible head injury prior to the start of the game. There will probably be some kind of investigation made into what happened here because uh, (laughs) there's a breakdown in the communication somewhere along the line uh, to let this happen. And, uh, also, sadly, you know, in uh, football's a game where you know you're expected to be tough, you know, and uh, and keep on playing uh, through all kinds of hardship, uh, but uh, not smart in this case. Yeah. No, I mean you're three and zero. You've been the talk of the AFC. You've gotten a fan base so psyched for a team that's been in a dumpster fire for the last decade, maybe even longer. Since Jimmy Johnson and Dan Marino left the Miami Dolphins franchise, this team has been anything but spectacular on the football field on a week-in, week-out basis. You would think that they're buying into this young head coach Tua has shown you a little bit more of what he did back in his Alabama days this season with the offensive system that the new head coach, Mike McDaniels, has put into place. And you would think, you would think with a 3-0 and record that the Dolphins would go out there and play caution with their quarterback who has made the headlines week in and week out and has led this team to some exciting victories. Now you chance a possible bigger injury stemming from what happened last night and you don't know what kind of permanent head trauma you could have caused. You don't know what kind of permanent internal damage you could have caused. I understand that the Dolphins said today he's a little bit better, but you should have not let Tua take the football field on a short week of rest for a Thursday night game on Amazon Prime if you did not fully get him checked out by that medical staff or get a full answer as to what happened in week three prior to taking the field in week four. 
That was uncalled for. And the NFL should be embarrassed. The Dolphins should be embarrassed. And they really need to find a way to get this concussion protocol situation solved. Because I get it's a shorter season than most with the National Football League than most other sports, Andy. But your quarterback in this league is your prime figure to lead this team. And when you go out there and do what the Dolphins did, you got stupid written all over you. And the Dolphins had stupid written all over them last night. Certainly hurt themselves for the long run, but... You know, I had my doubts during the offseason. They they finished off last year with an 8-1 run, and then they made coaching changes during the offseason. I was thinking, well, why did they do that? You know, I mean, they found their formula for winning, and why not uh, let it carry over into the next year? But, uh, but for some reason, they made coaching changes, and uh, right now it's not looking like they made the right ones. No, it's not. And on the New York side of things, Andy... The Jets have come back true to form after they get a miraculous victory in week two on the road against the Browns and Joe Flacco shows his veteran leadership. They go out there and put up a dud this past Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals who got their first win at MetLife Stadium. And listen, for this Jet team, you saw a lack of efficiency with the ball offensively. You saw the defense break down in key situations in the second half of this game. And you saw a miscommunication factor between the head coach and the quarterback. And if you're the Jets now and you're getting ready for a big Week four road game against the Pittsburgh Steelers team who's going to be prepared, who's going to be raring to go, who's got an extra few days of rest coming off of that Thursday night loss that they had to the Browns last week. You know that Mike Tomlin's going to have this team prepared and Pittsburgh is having their own quarterback controversy right now as Mitchell Trubisky has started off slow and hasn't proved that he may be worthy of a starting quarterback role for the entire season for this team as Kenny Pickett sits in the wings to hopefully become a starter down the road for this franchise. So it's going to be a big game for Trubisky. It's going to be a big game for the Steelers. And I personally don't think the Jets are going to have many answers at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh against the Steelers this Sunday. They looked flat last week. Zach Wilson is coming back after his injury. You don't know how much rust he's going to have when he takes to the field. He hasn't practiced a lot with this team. He hasn't really done a lot of pre-snaps until this week in practice. So you don't know how ready this Jet team is going to be to face a Steeler team that's got a little bit of extra rest and is hungry for a win. Well, you know what? Joe Flacco has a history of winning big games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but uh, Flacco was with a better team when he was doing that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think history will repeat itself in this case, but it is interesting. Uh, Flacco and the Steelers, they, they go back a ways. They've had some great battles. But, uh, you know, that was, of course, the Ravens-Steelers uh, rivalry, which has been, you know, acknowledged as one of the best in all of sports. But, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, this is going to be a big week for the Giants and the Jets to see if they can uh, show the fans that they uh, are going to give them a reason to buy into them. You know, this is a 
put up or shut up week for both of them. And speaking of the New York Giants, me and you said last week on this very program, the Sports Buzz streaming live on Clubhouse and available for podcast playback on this Friday, September 30th. We welcome one and all tuning in to this broadcast tonight. We said, Andy, last week that the Giants were going to have a tough task against the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys didn't come into this game and prove me or you wrong as Cooper Rush played great offensively. The Cowboys' defense stepped up when they had to, especially in the second half, and they did everything they had to do to get a much-needed, important road victory on national TV on a Monday night. When your star quarterback goes down, those are the type of wins that you have to go out and get and answer the call to be a legitimate force for postseason positioning in the National Football League. This Cowboy team is a good team. There's a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy. They still make a ton of bad, bad, stupid penalties in their games. There's a ton of flags against this team week in and week out. And some of the little fundamentals that seem to be off week after week concern me a little bit when it comes to preparedness with Mike McCarthy because Dallas can go out there and play well and look good, Andy, but they're never polished enough to me to be a complete team. There's always a flaw here or a flaw there, and if it's not a flaw with the offense, it's a flaw with the defense. And if you really want to be a legit, legit playoff Super Bowl contender, you have to be as flawless as possible in this league. And as big of a win as that was for Dallas, they need to be even better as this season progresses, and they have to hope that Cooper Rush can continue his winning success that he had on Monday night. And with the Giants, listen, we talked all year about Daniel Jones not being this offensive juggernaut that every single Giant fan or NFL pundit wants us to believe he could be. The bottom line with the New York football Giants, and I've said this every week and I sound like a broken record saying it, they don't have a big offensive playmaker outside of Saquon Barkley. When Sterling Shepard got injured, that made things a little bit worse offensively. But when you don't have a big playmaker at the receiving core in a passing league, you are not going to be a good offensive football team. And when you have a line that doesn't show up to protect the quarterback the way it's supposed to, you're not going to be a good offensive football team. And the Giants aren't a good offensive football team. The defense has improved, but the offense still has many holes and question marks that would worry you week in and week out for this team in a tough NFC East. Well, the Giants have the Bears this week, and that's a game where the Giants don't have to set the world on fire on offense to win as long as they don't make any uh, critical mistakes. But they've got a shot at this one, so we'll see how well this team has grown. And I get, Andy, that they're 2-1, and one, and I get that they won their first two games. But the idea that those two games that they won were just 
eye-opening games where it tells me that the oh, team that has good. reached a level that I can feel confident that they're going to be a legit team in the NFC East to contend with the Cowboys or an Eagles team that has been lights out is crazy because their offense is not superior to the Eagles. It's not superior to the Cowboys. Yeah, well, the Giants, uh, they have some growing to do now. They could slip into the playoffs if they're like last year's Eagles and just beat the mediocre and bad teams. You know, the Eagles didn't have a good game against a, a real good team all last year, uh, and the Giants could squeak into the playoffs with a 9-7 or even 8-8 record that way. Yeah, they, they haven't uh, offensively haven't distinguished themselves, although Barkley does give them a lot of stuff that they can do if they're smart. When you have a threat like that that the defense has to really pay attention to, uh, you could find some things that you could do when the defense tries to load up and take Barkley away. Thus far in the three weeks that we've seen this football giant team go out there and play, the storyline so far through three weeks has been the aggressiveness that they've had defensively with Wink Martindale and what he's done as a defensive coordinator for this team and the ground game. It's been the defense and the ground game that has really been the Giants' saving grace thus far through three weeks in this season because that's how they've won their football games, the ground game and the defense. Yeah, and Parcells used to win that way too, although uh, in Parcells' day they had an outstanding offensive line and an outstanding, I mean, historically good defense. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And your Philadelphia Eagles, Andy, are the only unbeaten team left in the National Football League as they beat the Commanders 24-8 to in the nation's capital last Sunday, and they get ready this weekend for a matchup against... The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, and what a storyline that's uh, going Super to Bowl be. Coach. Doug Peterson coach, yep. going back to Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia after trouncing the L.A. Chargers on the road on the West Coast in Los Angeles last Sunday brings a Jacksonville Jaguar team that actually, Andy, with... Peterson is head coach and the system that he's put in place for Trevor Lawrence to excel this Jacksonville Jaguar team finally may be for real in the AFC South yeah Peterson knows how to coach quarterbacks uh, he was a quarterback himself in his playing days and uh you know uh, he invented the Philly special which we will always we, we will always praise him for that no matter what he does to us in the future you remember the Philly special that they yes, came out I in do. the Super Bowl at, at just the time in that game where they needed it. They needed a score. <laughs> yeah, that was a great memory. Doug Peterson, he'll he'll get a big cheer from the Eagles fans. They'll become a bad guy once the game starts, but uh, he should get a real good welcome from uh, the Eagles fans. He will. And listen, when Jacksonville hired him, I said it was a great hire from the day they announced that he was going to yeah. be their head coach because he, was still the Eagles. <laughs> he is a guy who knows how to go in there, work with a quarterback, 
mold the quarterback into being a successful figure for an offense and then catapulting that offense to be legit and making deep runs into postseasons. And the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, Andy, are a team that are sitting pretty in a weak division in the AFC South, and they are a team that I think if all goes well and Trevor Lawrence can have that big game ability that we've envisioned him having since he's joined forces in Jacksonville as a professional football player, then I think the Jaguars are going to have some great storylines throughout this season. And I think Doug Peterson could become coach of the year when all is said and done if it turns out that he gets this team to serious playoff contention. I remember when Doug Peterson was a playing quarterback, he was leading a West Coast offense back in the days when everybody was trying to copy what Joe Montana did. Everybody was going to the West Coast offense, but uh, Peterson ran it well. And uh, I guess uh, he's got some of those aspects of that offense incorporated into this team uh, the way he did it with the Eagles. too. I mean, to go out uh, there and beat the Chargers, 38-10, 262 yards in the air for Lawrence. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. That is just incredible. And to do it against an L.A. Chargers team who you thought was going to go in there and be the more physical team and be on the winning side in this game. The Jaguars didn't only go in there and win, Andy. The Jaguars went in there and basically fed the uh, Chargers their lunch, their dinner, and their dessert. And Peterson knows a thing or two about how to navigate a season and go into the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. He's been there, done that. So uh, you got to give that guy uh, every consideration here. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good hire for Jacksonville. And last Sunday night, Andy, you couldn't have had a worse football game on your television set than you had with the Broncos and the 49ers in what was a snooze fest. And it has not been a warm welcome for Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett in the AFC West with the Denver Broncos because that team leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to play on the field. They can't make big plays. They can't run the football. The defense looks off kilter. What is going on with the Denver Broncos? They'll be tested this week uh, in Vegas. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting game. Broncos at the Raiders. And that's a big game for Josh McDaniels. When you have a meeting with your owner after week three of a football game, when you lose the way you did to the Tennessee Titans and you have to have a closed-door meeting with your owner, you know things are not going well right now for Josh McDaniels and company with what he's sort of trying to do with Derek Carr and this Raider team. And I think the pressure is on right now, and this is going to be a must-win game for the Vegas Raiders this Sunday if they have any chance of having some successful winning success this season because there's one guy laughing right now, and that guy is Passaccia, who was turned down a chance to become the head coach and take the interim tag off of his name and the Raiders chose to go in a different direction and so far 
the Mark Davis master plan that he had in place by bringing McDaniels in has not proved to work right now in Vegas. Well, I think Carr is the kind of quarterback who can uh, drive the Raiders uh, to some success. Yeah, I do like uh, Carr, but uh, yeah, they've got a lot, to, lot to work on over there if they're going to do big things. I get that, Andy, but you need more out of your receiving core. You need more out of sure. Josh Jacobs had 42 carries and 192 yards on the ground. He's done his due diligence. You need more out of Devontae Adams. You need more out of your receiving core. Yeah. It comes down to executing a system, and uh, that takes time. It does. And a big game this weekend for the Kansas City Chiefs as they had a tough loss and a frustrating loss against the Indianapolis Colts who needed that win in the worst way to finally get yeah, well, the Matt Colts Ryan. Colts are pretty good. Uh, yeah, I see the Colts doing some big things. Uh, they're pretty good. And I mean, a lot of people think that this Chiefs loss is devastating. Listen, nah, the Kansas nah, City Chiefs, they got a top-tier head coach. They got one of the best quarterbacks that the NFL has to offer, and Valdez Scandling and Smith Schuster have gotten the job done for the missing pieces that left this team in the offseason, a la Hill to the Dolphins, a la Sammy Watkins when he left this team, and Kelsey at tight end with his tough physical approach as a tight end with the ball going through into his arms from Mahomes. This team is a tough, tough team, and they will bounce back nicely. I don't know if they'll bounce back in Tampa Bay against Tom Brady, who's getting a full, healthy offensive team back this week, but I wouldn't worry for one game that the Chiefs lost. It was more about some bonehead mistakes that the Chiefs made in the second half and the Colts being able to capitalize on it than it was about the Chiefs really losing this game because the Chiefs were the better team for 60 minutes, they just came on the short end of a 20-17 to 17 loss to the Colts on the road. Well, in a salary cap league, you know, you can't keep a winning team together very long because everybody wants their payday, and you can't give everybody that payday. Uh, you're going to lose some players along the way, but uh, an organization like the Chiefs, uh, just like the Ravens a few years back, and well, you want to talk about a team that's constantly rebuilt itself would be those New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. I mean, uh, if you're a good organization and a good system, uh, you can replace a, a good player when you lose one and, uh, and and keep it going. You know, it really does come down to that fundamentals in the system. And New England lost to Baltimore in their home opener last week, and they have another tough task this weekend as they will be the highlight game of the week. This Sunday, the 425 game, as they will head to Lambeau Field and take on the Green Bay Packers. And we all know about Bill Belichick. We all know how Bill Belichick finds ways to win games. We all know that he's one of the best head coach to ever put a headset on and coach a team to victory and all of the Super Bowl appearances and the Brady duo with him and then Mac Jones coming over and instilling Belichick's philosophy into Mac Jones, but Mac Jones gets injured last week, and now New England goes with their backup quarterback, and you have to wonder, really now, is this the time when New England starts to fall as just a 
subpar team and not a superior team like they've been year in and year out. They may not have been superior last year, but they found a way to get into the postseason. They just took on a much tougher and talented Bills team in freezing cold conditions in January in Orchard Park that sent them packing after their wild card loss. But if you're New England, you have some concerns as Mac Jones got injured and you don't have that big quarterback now leading the way. Hoyer's okay, but he's not fantastic. Well, you know, even the best coaches in the league would have a hard time getting a team ready to play the Baltimore Ravens because how can you get a practice squad to simulate the stuff that Lamar Jackson does out there? I mean, you you know, you can't really uh, prepare for that team. You just got to hope for the best, you know. It's, uh, you know, who, who, can, who can do in practice what Lamar Jackson can do? And that'll be another highlight game. The Bills coming off of that tough loss against the Dolphins and the Ravens getting ready to take on a Bills team and each team is 2-1. and one. And I really think when you look at this game, Andy, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be a tale of two quarterbacks for each offense. It's going to be about Allen outdueling the Ravens quarterback and vice versa. It's going to be about Jackson outdueling Allen on the Bills for whoever's going to come out with the final W in the win column in this game because they both have very good defenses, they're both well coached, they both have great special teams, and they both have phenomenal offenses. So this is going to be must-watch theater on Sunday afternoon if you're a Bills-Ravens fan or if you're an NFL fan as a whole. And it's sad that in the New York market, we more than likely won't be able to see a blockbuster affair of this magnitude on our television sets. It may be on in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, the Ravens and the Bills had a pretty good playoff game a couple of years back in Buffalo. They're both playoff experience. Yeah, that game may be on in Philadelphia, uh, the Ravens and the Bills, because, uh, you know, the uh, Eagles game, uh, I'm pretty sure that's going to be on Fox. Yeah, you got the Giants on Fox. The Jets are going to be on CBS at 1 o'clock, so you're not going to get that game in New York because you're going to have the Jets playing the Steelers on CBS, the Giants playing the Bears on Fox. You may end up getting it in the Philadelphia market, Andy. Philadelphia, the uh, AFC games again, Philadelphia are usually uh, Steelers or Ravens because they have uh, nearby fan bases and uh You get the Ravens and the Steelers a lot in Philadelphia. I know it's only three weeks in, Andy, but what has caught your attention the most through the first three weeks of this NFL season? What has surprised you? What do you think our audience and listenership should look for as this season progresses from a surprise standpoint in the National Football League? Hertz has made quantum leap in terms of his decision-making ability on the field and and just simply uh, guiding a team. Everybody knew he had a lot of talent to work with, but he still he needed to learn uh, uh, how to lead that team. And quarterback, uh, just by nature of the position, has to be a leader out there. And, uh, yeah, Hertz has, uh, has really stepped up so far, and uh, pleasantly, surprisingly so. We weren't too sure what we'd be getting out of that guy this year, but he's made a quantum leap uh, as as a leader and uh, just uh, executing the offense. Uh, I'd say that's uh, 
that that's from a Philadelphia fan's perspective, but that, that's been one eye-opener. And up until Thursday night, uh, I, I really was impressed with the, what Miami had been doing. And also, you know, uh, I do think the Giants are pretty good right now. I know you've had a lot of uh, disappointment with them, but uh, there's some potential there for the Giants to have a a nice season by the time this is all over. But they still got stuff to work on. But a a defense can help a team stay above water while the offense is getting it together. So uh, there's a few uh, noteworthy things over there about the season so far. Disappointed in the Vikings. I thought the Vikings would be better. When you look at this Dolphins team, Andy, do you have cause for concern that this Tua situation could really have put a damper on the season the rest of the way? Or do you think they're going to bounce back from this? Tua's going to come back and ultimately be the quarterback that we saw over the course of the last three weeks prior to this injury. Let's still be determined because uh, we don't know the the full extent of this injury. It's not like he's just going to miss a game or two and then be uh, be right back uh, on the beam. Uh, we really don't know. The, the Dolphin situation is unclear <laughs> as of the moment yet. And also, speaking of the NFL, you know, I heard a lot of different gripes and a lot of different opinions bantied about the fact that the NFL – plays in London, or the NFL plays some games in Germany. What is your whole take on the Saints and Vikings matching up at 9.30 in the morning this coming Sunday to play a game internationally and the Giants and Packers doing that next week? Do you think this is a waste for the NFL, that the appeal just isn't there internationally, or do you think that it's a nice treat to get an extra game earlier in the morning? I've heard a lot of people say that they really feel that the international approach here with the NFL really doesn't do them any good long-term from a fan appeal perspective. Well, the NFL has been looking to expand into other countries for the last several decades. I remember in the 1990s, they were talking a lot about uh, possibly even putting a franchise into London. Now, I don't see how that could work very well. I know uh, I was watching uh, Good Morning Football on NFL Network this morning. They were out there in England having a jolly old time there. And there are some fans who are uh, standing by there uh, chatting with them who are pretty knowledgeable. Of, just like uh, typical football fans, you would say, here, I guess it works as far as having games there. And the, the English people like to go out there and see them, and the NFL makes its money. But I can't see... Uh, London ever having an NFL franchise. I don't know how well they would support one either, especially if it's not a real top-notch one every year. Uh, I don't see an NFL franchise locating in London, but I guess it's enough of a novelty that the British fans go out there and watch it. Speaking of good morning football, that great morning show on NFL Network that broadcasts live here in the Big Apple in New York. What about Kay Adams quickly? Just a quick aside here. She leaves a morning NFL show where she was one of the headline hosts on this show with speculation that she's going to go over to Amazon and be part of that Thursday night football deal. That doesn't work out. So she moves out to the West Coast and she has a one-hour show 
on FanDuel called Up and Adams. If you're Kay Adams, you're getting up every day throughout the course of this NFL season wondering what you did because you go from being a premier star on a successful morning show, on a show that is highly rated, on a show that many football fans flock to for their AM news, and you leave a team of that magnitude to go Say you want to be part of the Amazon package, you end up not making or getting a deal done with Amazon, and you end up on a FanDuel outlet for an hour where only 20% of the United States of America can watch you if you have that as a digital service or on some television outlet where you can get that respective channel. Boy, oh boy, Andy, how the times have changed for Kay Adams with what she's done in the broadcast television business. Sometimes people need to know when to leave well enough alone. (laughs) Uh, I guess some people pitched her all kinds of promises and uh, tried to lure her with uh, unrealistic expectations there, but uh, nobody's irreplaceable. You know, if you're in a good spot, you might as well stay there because... uh, Good morning football is a go-to venue for uh, football fans, that's for sure. It is, and it's just a shame that she left that to potentially go to Amazon, which was rumored right after she left Good Morning Football. Several outlets were going out there, and you know how the rumor mill, you know, goes crazy when a big star leaves a respective show that she's been a successful part of for many years, and the rumor mill was that she was going to be part of Amazon, and then I guess that deal never came through, so she had to do something, so she moves to the West Coast and does a one-hour show up in Adams where she's still talking to... NFL stars and sports figures of that ilk, but it's not the same juice that she had with Good Morning Football. Yeah, I don't think she's uh, made the best career move. (laughs) No, you brought it up and I had to mention that because that Good Morning Football show, it's a fantastic show and they don't only... very entertaining and it gives you a lot of good info too. yeah. Yeah, it does and they have a great panel that Peter Schrager is fantastic the panel they have there is just Kyle Brandt yeah yeah, Kyle Brandt they're just really good and they give you the ins and outs and they share different things with you that you may not learn about on any of these other pre post game or halftime shows that we watch on a daily basis throughout the NFL season so it's definitely a good show and I'm glad you mentioned that tonight and I'll just say this too Andy This Thursday night deal that the NFL and Amazon agreed to leaves a lot to be desired for a digital platform presentation. The glitches in the games, Al Michaels doesn't seem to have the same pop in him or the same type of excitement in him that he had when he did the games on NBC national TV with Chris Collinsworth. You just don't have that same type of entertainment value on the Amazon feed that you do when football is on your regular 
television set. And I think this is going to hurt the NFL long-term because not as many people have the Amazon service to watch the game. But when you do have it and you try to watch the game, you have all of these malfunctions and hiccups and glitches and technical problems that it leaves you not wanting to go back for more after you have a bad experience with it to begin with. Well, you know, uh, probably until the end of October, we'll have some good postseason baseball to watch on Thursday nights. And then November, December, we'll have college football, college basketball. I'm I'm just, uh, Thursday night isn't even an NFL night for me anymore. Sadly, I have to report that the New York Mets lost game one of a pivotal three-game set at True East Park in Atlanta. 5-2, to and the Braves will end this evening tied for first place with the New York Mets as Jacob deGrom suffers the loss. He now goes to 5-4 with a 3-8 earned run average. Max Fried gets the win. He goes to 14-7, and and Kenley Jansen gets his 38th save as the pesky Braves continue to find ways to win baseball games, and the Mets will hand the ball off to Max Scherzer for game two of this three-game set tomorrow night with the hopes that they can get a W in the win column. So the Mets fall short to the Atlanta Braves, 5-2. to Well, the Braves just go out there, they hit, they pitch, they play defense. I mean, they just do what you're supposed to do, and they do it consistently well. Terry Francona continues to win with the Cleveland Guardians as they defeat Mike Matheny and the hapless Royals 6-3 this evening. The Blue Jays' offense kicked it up a notch as they beat Alex Cora and the lowly Red Sox 9-0. And the Yankees lose a close one to the pesky Orioles who are 81-76. and And what a job Brandon Hyde has done as manager for this young Orioles team, Andy, that made some headlines and excitingly enough for at least two and a half months were fighting for a wild card position, but they go out tonight and they win in the house that Homer's built two to one. Aaron judge will have to wait another night to hit his 62nd home run of the 2022 season. Last year, the Orioles lost well over 100 games, and now they're over 500. Yes, they are. Cubs beat the Reds 6-1. to As we said earlier in the show, the Phillies defeated the Nationals 5-1 to in what was supposed to be a doubleheader. The second game was postponed due to the remnants of Hurricane Ian and all the rain that came through the nation's capital this evening. That game will be made up as a day-night doubleheader tomorrow at Nationals Park at 105 and then 705 for game number two. D-backs lead the Giants 1-0 in the bottom of the first. Dodgers and Rockies all squared up at 0-0 in the bottom of the first in Los Angeles. Mariners and A's are tied up 1-1 at the end of the second. Top of the third, Padres are playing in a series that could determine their postseason positioning as they lead the White Sox 1-0. The Angels are leading the Rangers in the top of the fourth, two to nothing. Cardinals on top of the Pirates, 
two to one. Rays are beating the Astros seven to two. Brewers over the Marlins one nothing as the Brewers are in must win for the next five games that they play after tonight as they are battling with the Phillies for that third wild card spot and the Twins beat the Tigers seven nothing in Detroit and looking at the quick scoreboard for college football as there are five games taking place tonight in college football and we will give you those scores and then we'll come back and talk some college football here on the sports buzz as we try to give you a little bit of everything on a week in week out basis last night we had BYU beat Utah State 38 to 26 BYU number 19 in the nation moves to 4 and 1 as they defeated Utah State 38 to 26 And currently taking place tonight, Middle Tennessee is trailing University of Texas San Antonio 38-29 with a little over 10 minutes to play in the fourth. Boise State on top of San Diego State 21-13 as Boise State plays on the blue turf that they are noted for. Tulane beat Houston 27-24, and a little bit later on, number 15-seeded Washington will take on UCLA in UCLA, and the University of New Mexico will take on UNLV. So that's a look around the college football scoreboard on this Friday, September 30th, as we have spoken a lot about what's happening in the world of sports this evening, and we will continue with more chatter right after this as we'll talk some college football. How does that sound to you, Andy? Yeah, we got a lot of 4-0 teams out there, some pretty interesting ones there, including the Penn State Nittany Lions. Yes, they are always a fun team to talk about. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side with much more sports talk coming your way. Back after this. Hi, I'm Fouad Reves. I'm a home builder. And I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas. And when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family, talk to your builder, tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov radon. That's epa.gov radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise. Did you receive a call or message that mentioned Social Security and demanded immediate action? Did the caller know your Social Security number or other personal information and tell you that your Social Security number had been used in connection with the crime? Did you feel worried that your Social Security number might be suspended? Your bank account might be frozen or seized, or you could be arrested. That is not the Social Security Administration. Social Security will not threaten you, demand your personal information, or instant payment. 
email or text you pictures or documents, or use a real government official's name to gain your trust. Social Security does not accept payments by gift card, prepaid debit card, internet currency, or by mailing cash. Criminals use these forms of payment because they are hard to trace. Do not be fooled. Hang up. Ignore them. Report this criminal activity to the Social Security Administration Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto as Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu chat with you about what's happening in the world of sports as we stream this very broadcast that aired from 2006 to 2010 on 91.9 WNTI-FM. We bring that FM powerhouse broadcast that aired on a powerhouse radio station in Northwest New Jersey to Clubhouse for all of our listeners to listen to, and we make it available for podcast playback through Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your daily podcasts. And I can also be reached for any questions you have about anything happening in the world of sports or about anything happening with this podcast, whether you want to give us some guidance as to how we can enhance this show, any special topic requests that you have, feel free to reach out sportsbuzzshow one at gmail.com. That's sportsbuzzshow, the number one at gmail.com. And before we get in to some college football talk, I want to play a highlight from Wednesday night as Aaron Judge chased history in Toronto, tied the single-season record for 61 home runs in the American League in a single season. He tried to get 62 tonight and fell short with only one hit, but here is John Sterling with that remarkable call on WFAN this past Wednesday as Aaron Judge chased history. And the payoff. There goes the deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 61. He ties Roger Maris for the American League single season record with 61 home runs. It's a two run Judgian blast. Here comes the judge. A two run blast. And the Yankees take a 5 3 lead on number 61 for Judge. And Andy, we could say what we want about how bad sometimes the Yankee radio broadcasts are with Sterling and Susan Waldman behind the microphone. The one thing you can say is that John Sterling knows how to call a big highlight in a Yankee game and a big moment in a Yankee game. And that has been his signature staple behind the microphone every year that the Yankees have had a big moment. And that's what he's noted for big calls like that. And he did it this past Wednesday on FAN when judge tied the Maris record for 61 homers. Well, John Sterling uh, is entertaining. I met him uh, dropping names here. I was in the press room at a, at a New Jersey Nets game, and I had press credentials for the Nets. And uh, 
got into conversation, John Sterling. He is a cool guy. He's okay in my book, and his his calls have been. Uh, I like some of his over the years, like a nuke for uke when they had uh, Kevin <laughs> Uke. He's had some pretty good ones over the years. Yeah, he he gets those uh, those home run calls uh, for 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 the ball players. Uh, he finds the right one. John Sterling goes back. Uh, he uh, he did the Atlanta Braves, and before that, he started out doing Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I remember when the Orioles had the two Robinsons, Frank and Brooks, and you had that uh, Simon and Garfunkel song, Mrs. Robinson. And uh, whenever Frank or Brooks would hit a home run, going, here's to you, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> so he, and he was doing that back in the 1960s. So he's been around. He's called a lot of home runs. And that was one of the better calls he's had in his radio career. And what a moment for him to be sitting there to witness history that evening in Toronto when Judge hit that home run. To be part of that moment at that time, it would have been extra special if Judge did it at Yankee Stadium, and it will be if he hit 62 this weekend against the Orioles. But I got to tell you, Andy, that must have been a signifying moment for John Sterling in his illustrious broadcast career. He had to be there at that moment. And, uh, of course, you have to be thinking about it well in advance. How am I going to handle it? You know, you got to be thinking that way. How am I going to handle it when Judge hits his 61st? Who knows what he's got in store for us when number 62 comes. Yeah, and the thing that's crazy about it is he took a lot of road games off this year, Sterling, and the Yankees went to Sweeney Murdy to do some games with Waldman in the booth, and they had another guy help out here and there. But I guess, you know, with this judge chase, John felt that it was important to be back in the broadcast booth, whether the team was home or away, and he made sure he was front and center to call that judge home run on Wednesday night on the road in Toronto. Well, John's had some singing ones, too. I'm sure you remember this one. The Grandy Man Can. Remember <laughs> <laughs> he used to call it Curtis Granderson was the Grandy Man. Yes. The Grandy Man Can. Goes. He makes... <laughs> he, he, he's a trip. He really is. He is. He's why the Yankee diehards love him on the radio because of those monikers throughout the years. What I don't care for, because I'm not a Yankee fan, but you know that the Yankees win, you know, that's that's a little over the top, but you know what that. You know what I'd rather take, Andy? I'd rather take Howie Rose, put it in the box. Yeah, right. You know who's a good one? Uh, the Washington Nationals, uh, their guy, he goes, and a curly W is in the books. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Phillies moniker? Oh, the Phillies, uh, yeah, they don't really have one. You know, uh, I can't say that one stands out. Uh, now, I know the uh, uh, the Orioles for a long time uh, had a broadcaster who'd say, and the Orioles are in the win column. <laughs> I heard that a few times. Uh, there's been a few good ones. Didn't Scully yeah. have a famous one with the Dodgers? I can't think of one. I know uh, the Cincinnati Reds had a guy who always ended it with, and this one belongs to the Reds. Oh, yeah, you know, it was a good one back in the 60s. Bob Prince uh, was the Pittsburgh Pirates broadcaster. And no matter what the score was, even if it was a cliffhanger, if they'd win, he'd say, we had them all the way. (laughs) (laughs) He'd always end it with that. Even if it was like a real uh, nail biter, he'd still say, we had them all the way. Yeah, that one I remember. 
I'll tell you, though, when you think of baseball, Andy, a lot of the exciting moments that we've come to witness as a fan of the sport, we've heard on the radio rather than watched it on our television set. And a lot of my memories growing up were turning the radio on at the time when the Mets were the flagship baseball team on WFAN year in and year out. And I remember going to the radio and hearing Bob Murphy and Gary Cohen, and it was so good the way they brought the game to you on the radio that it was actually appointment radio night in and night out to listen to the game on the radio because you just wanted to hear them broadcast the game the way they did it because there weren't many like the two of them on the radio that did it in the magnitude they did and did it successfully for the time they did it when they were both in the radio booth and some of my lasting memories from back in the day with the Mets was with what I heard from Bob Murphy. I remember uh, the 86 World Series turning the uh, TV sound down listening to Bob Murphy do it and I've done the same with the Harry Callis or the Phillies and you know, with the Eagles you know they have uh, Merrill Reese uh, doing radio play-by-play uh, you know, I'd rather listen to him do the play-by-play and just turn uh, the sound down uh, you know he's, he's another good one and I met Merrill Reese and you know he, he is he looks nothing like what he sounds. In real life, he's like about 5'2", but he's got this big voice. Where he, you, know, you think the guy's like 6'4", 250 pounds when you listen to the guy. But he's just a little guy with a big voice. I wonder how That's Merrill that. Reese would do if they put him in the Phillies broadcast booth and had him do a month of Phillies baseball right before the Eagles started in a season. I wonder how much of a turnaround that would be for Merrill Reese to do baseball. He probably sounds similar to Harry Callis. And Harry Callis had his own distinctive style. Uh, Harry Callis and uh, the Mets' uh, Gary Cohen, they both say it's out of here. But they each had their distinctive style. You know, Harry Callis is like, long drive, deep left field, it's got a chance, out of here. You know who but, else is uh, good? Gary Thorne Gary, is good? Yeah, Gary Thorne is good. He does the Red Sox, yeah. yeah but Gary Cohen, his was be like kind of exciting. It's a deep drive, so-and-so's back, out of here. <laughs> you know, he had like a different <laughs> touch to it, you know. And another one, too, you know, he was very good on TV. Ralph Kiner, always fantastic oh, back in the day Kiner for Mets a, broadcasts. Well, he's the guy who first said that uh, the earth is two-thirds covered by water and one-third by Gary Maddox. Uh, that was one of Kiner's best. And if I'm not mistaken, Fran Healy was good, too. Oh, yeah. Well, there have been uh, several real good ones, yeah. Ben Scully, for my money, was the best of them all. You really believe that? Yeah, I think he, he was, that guy was just born to announce baseball games. And he was, he was always so clear and precise, and he paint the picture, you know, and that's what you're supposed to do. And I think for a game. while there, Andy, if I'm not mistaken, towards the end of his reign, I would listen to some of the Dodger broadcasts on the MLB app I have, and he wouldn't only do the play-by-play, he would do the color, too. He would be a one-man band for the entire yeah, he, broadcast. He a, yeah, he worked by himself a lot, yeah. And it was just amazing the way he did that. And what I also heard was 
he did a dual TV and radio broadcast. His voice that would be on the radio would also be on the local Dodger television outlet, too, I believe, for a while there. Well, you know how Gary Thorne used to broadcast uh, Manny Machado's homers when he was with the Orioles? You would go, hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you, there's something about baseball on the radio that is much more enjoyable than any other sport you listen to on the radio. And I just think it has to do with a connection that the announcer has with the fan. Baseball has that special connection that you don't get with the fan in football, basketball, or even hockey. And it just draws you in at a much greater rate to listen to the game on the radio when baseball is on than it does in the NFL, NBA, or NHL. Do you tend to agree with that, Andy? Well, baseball is made for radio and football is made for TV. Baseball on the radio goes back with me, a guy my age, uh, with the old transistor radios or the earplug. Yeah, I remember my parents always told me when I was like uh, in eighth, ninth grade, I had to be in bed by 10 o'clock. But usually, you know, the Phillies are still playing. I'd take my little transistor radio, put it under my pillow with a little earplug there. My parents didn't know I was listening to the game. They thought I'm nicely in bed there. You know, they they bed check I'm there under the covers. I got my little transistor radio with that Phillies game going on there. And that's, uh, that's where my affinity for baseball on the radio began. Well, that was a fun chat, Andy, about uh, baseball. Oh, I remember announcers. Mel Allen or the Yankees. He'd always go, "How about that?" <laughs> that was like his signature line. <laughs> Anytime something extraordinary happened, he'd say, "How about that?" And you know, I got to give it up too to Susan Waldman because you don't hear a ton of women do what Susan Waldman does on the radio year in and year out. And the broadcast team that she has created and the moments that she has created with John Sterling really is unparalleled to a lot of what you get across the country on the radio dial when it comes to baseball broadcasts. Well, she was the pioneer when it came to women being in the uh, baseball broadcast booth. But, uh, ESPN's had one for a good long time, Michelle Tafoya, right? Yes. Yeah, she's been a good analyst on ESPN for, I'd say, 30 years now. I mean, she's been been there for a long time. You also have Linda Cohn, who covers a lot of hockey and NBA for ESPN. She's very good. Right, and I think she's a Jersey girl, too, if I remember correctly. Yes, and Susie Um, Colbert for a while covered some stuff. Right. Yeah, ESPN broke a lot of ground. Now they're everywhere. But uh, Look at who started her career at ESPN, Robin Roberts. Now she's a Good Morning America host on ABC and one of the best renowned journalists you go to for your television news in the morning. She started out at ESPN. Back in the day, one of the Phillies' all-time best pitchers was Robin Roberts. 
a lot of these broadcasters have gone through ESPN and ESPN has really catapulted them to successful careers. And a lot of them have to be thankful for ESPN. And listen, over the years, we've complained about ESPN and we've complained about their programming and just how stale they've become as a network on the sports side for information and stuff. But the one thing you got to say back in the day when you needed your hardcore information, ESPN was the first to be there to give it to you and the first that really went all out on the sports side for television. Well, you know, thanks to ESPN, uh, now you can watch like college basketball just about every night, <laughs> you know, it's college basketball season. And they've been the staple for Monday Night Football, right, Andy? It started on ABC. Uh, yeah, I, I remember the first couple of Monday Night Football games. Uh, Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell. And Dandy <laughs> Don Meredith and uh, Frank Gifford was like the normal one. You know, you had those uh, three guys. And uh, that was on ABC. And then ESPN took it over when ESPN got real popular. But uh, those early years, uh, like him or hate him, Howard Cosell made ABC Monday Night Football a must-watch show, regardless of who was playing you. And then when you had the tandem in the NFL of Madden and Summerall, that was the best you were going to get on the TV side. I mean, Madden and Summerall were just entertaining, must-watch Appointment well, Madden, television. Uh, the good thing about Madden was he demystified football. You know, he he doesn't try to get real technical and show his knowledge. And he and he was a Super Bowl winning coach. He was as good a coach as anybody. But on TV, he just uh, made sure the average person understood everything. And uh, he didn't try to impress people with how smart he was. He just basically, in very simple terms that everybody could understand, would tell you what's going on there. He had that common touch, which made him so popular. Who would be your favorite right now in our current era, Andy, on the television set for um, football, the NFL? Uh, who would be your favorite right now? Um, Iron Eagle is pretty good. Um, Chris Collinsworth is a pretty good analyst. I think uh, Collins. Baseball. I think Collinsworth on Sunday night is fantastic. A lot of people yeah. disagree with me, and a lot of people think that no, he's I annoying. Agree. But I think Collinsworth is one of the better color commentators right now on the television set. He's very analytical. He gives you what you want to know, and he explains everything thoroughly so he doesn't leave you looking for more when a play yeah. is done. And the fact that he does that and week in and week out, yes. He, he's, he's, he's funny with it, too. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all uh, there. He's the first name I thought of. And I think Buck and Aikman are very good, too. I think they're a very good team. They were on Fox yeah, Sports Aikman and they are on better. ESPN. Yeah, Aikman has gotten better over the years. I, I didn't like him at first, but he's gotten better, yeah. I'm not a big Tony Romo guy, and I'm going to be honest with you tonight on the Sports Buzz. To me, he ruins a lot of what CBS tries to bring you from an entertainment perspective when it comes from the NFL week in and week out. He's got to let the game breathe. He doesn't shut up Romo. He talks on top of Jim Nance a lot. I don't think he is a great 
analyst in the booth for the NFL on CBS. I'm sorry, but that's the way I feel. He's not one of the guys that I have to go to week in and week out to be satisfied with what I'm going to get on CBS for football. He's just not. You know, I've been listening to on Monday nights now. uh, You get Eli and uh, Peyton. In their lounge chairs, they're talking while the Monday night football games. Going How do you on. find that to be, Andy? Approach. Because I turned it on uh, last Monday, I believe it was, for a little bit, and I really couldn't get into it. I I wanted to go back to Aikman and Buck calling the game mm-hmm. rather than seeing the Manning brothers sitting in their basement analyzing the game. I mean, they tried to take what A-Rod did with the A-Rod cast with Michael K for Sunday yeah. Night Baseball, and they tried to recreate that and circumvent that for Monday Night Football. And I just don't feel for the NFL side, it works the way it does in baseball Baseball was a stale Sunday night broadcast to begin with. So to have that second option of A-Rod and K was a little refreshing for the hardcore fan that wants to go to ESPN to watch the Sunday night game on television. But with the NFL, you already had that refreshing taste with Buck and Aikman. You don't need to go to the Manning brothers to get that because you know what you're getting with Buck and Aikman. Now, that's just my opinion. That's just the way I feel. I just feel that it wasn't warranted for the NFL to do it the way baseball did. Well, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball through the years, I've liked uh, John Miller and Joe Morgan. Uh, They've been a good pair. Uh, John Miller is a very professional announcer. Uh, He's funny at times, too. Now, football, uh, the Eli and Peyton thing, uh, Peyton is a funny guy. I enjoy listening to Peyton. You never know when he's going to come out with something that just makes you laugh out loud. (laughs) Well, Andy, it's been fun talking about television and radio sports commentators, but let's shift gears a little bit now and go to the college football landscape as we are quickly approaching week five already in the college football season as we turn the calendar to the month of October tomorrow as many games will be played and it'll be a good week for college football as we get ready for the Syracuse Orange to take on Wagner and what a start for Syracuse and Dino Babbers as Syracuse is 4-0 and to open up the 2022 college football season, Andy. Well, they'll, they'll be 5-0. and They won't get much of a contest from Wagner. Uh, Rutgers blew them out. I, I, I saw that game. Rutgers had no trouble with Wagner, and uh, Syracuse, likewise, uh, should have a pretty easy one there. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are 4-0. and <laughs> They're ranked number 21. Minnesota has not always been uh, a strong football program. You know, the Golden Gophers have uh, had a lot of down years, but uh, they're one of the 4-0 teams this year. I'm happy to see it there because they've, they've had to do some uh, reconstruction of that program over the years. But And the North Carolina State Wolfpack is up there at number 10. They're 4-0 out of the ACC. You know, you think of North Carolina State basketball, you know, Jimmy Valvano. And, yeah. You know, that's what you think of when you say North Carolina State. But there they are. They're number 10 in their 4 and Speaking Kentucky of... Kentucky Wild Cats is another one. You think of Kentucky basketball. But yeah. But here they are, number 7, and they're 4 and 
Yeah, speaking of Rutgers, Greg Schiano, 3-1, and one, will lead his team in to take on Ohio State, who dropped 52 points on the Wisconsin Badgers last weekend. Ohio State, number three in the nation at 4-0, and oh, will play host to Rutgers, and this game is not going to be pretty for Rutgers, Andy, as Ohio State, Ohio State's it's big machine. playability, They're it's defense. They don't rebuild, they reload. <laughs> and, and that's that's been, Ohio State's been a monster for decades. I mean, going back to Woody Hayes in the 1960s, that program has just been a monster through the years, yeah. And the Penn State Nittany Lions, number 11-seeded Penn State. They're 4-0 and in the Big Ten as they take on Northwestern. And what a year Penn State is having, Andy, as... They have had a lot of exciting games thus far this season, and they've been very competitive, and they're not only doing it on the offensive side, they're doing it on the defensive side, and they're doing it with their special teams. All three phases have gelled nicely for the Penn State Nittany Lions so far this season at 4-0. and Historically, you know, the Paterno years, they always won with defense, but now... Uh, they, they, they've they got interesting offensive concepts going on there. Uh, they do a lot with their offense, uh, and they're creative with it. It's not your father's Penn State. <laughs> you know, it, it's an interesting, lively bunch to watch. Yeah, and they've had some, some really good games. And now we will shift gears to a few other key games this weekend that will be highlight games that we look at in college football as we enter week five and turn the calendar from September to October as we enter the fall months here on the East Coast. Iowa will take on Michigan, who comes in at 4-0 and out of the Big Ten tomorrow Number afternoon four. at 12 noon, Andy. Michigan at 4-0. and Yeah, Jim Harbaugh's got something going on over there. I remember a few years ago, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State had a three-way tie uh, for the Big Ten. You remember that? That was just uh, I do. 2016. And it was funny. Michigan blew out Penn State that year, but then uh, they lost Ohio State, and Penn State beat Ohio State. So you had a real conundrum there as to who was going to you know, represent the conference in the Rose Bowl and whatever. Yeah, Penn State ended up going to the Rose Bowl that year. That, that, that was fun. When they had a three-way tie in the Big Ten, no. Clemson's number five. And beginning of the season, I didn't see anybody knocking off either Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, or Clemson. But uh, the Wolverines are over there, number four. So God bless them. Big Ten is third and fourth in the ratings right now. Southeast Conference one and two. 18-seeded Oklahoma, they get ready to take on TCU tomorrow afternoon. That'll be the 12 noon ABC game this weekend as Oklahoma starts to position themselves nicely again. They've had a few lackluster seasons. They're in the big picture now for winning success there with that program, Andy. So many teams that had only one loss and did not win the national championship, uh, yeah, in college football, it's like, yeah, you, you start out expecting, well, we're going to need every game if, we, if we're if we going to win this thing. You know, that, the Oklahoma, that one loss may have already set them too far back to get into that final four, you know. And then Nick Saban and Alabama will play at 330 
This Saturday afternoon on CBS as they take on Arkansas 3-1, the Arkansas Razorbacks and Nick Saban year in and year out, Andy. The Alabama Crimson Tide are at that finish line in a national championship game, and they are yeah, a high-octane offense. I, I like their cheer, though. You know, they're, they're Razorbacks like you know, Wild Pig and their fans go, Woo, pig! <laughs> Clemson at four and zero tomorrow night. We'll take on NC State at four and zero as Clemson looks to continue yeah, their yeah. winning ways. Yeah, NC State's one of the teams that are kind of like a pleasant surprise in that top ten this year. Now, North Carolina State way back had uh, Blue Holtz. He won the national championship at Notre Dame, but he, he coached at North Carolina State a long time ago, and he was working his way up. Uh, he told a funny story about how uh, they played Navy, and, and Navy back in the day when they had Roger Staubach, and Navy had some nationally ranked. Uh, our, one year, Navy was number two in the nation. Navy's had some good history over there. And that was the time that uh, Holtz was coaching North Carolina State. And he told a story about how my players are all psyched out. We we went to Navy there, and uh, I could see it in their eyes. Uh, I said, guys, guys, come on, we can play these guys. Snap out of it, you know, uh, let's go here. One guy points to these different spots around the city and says, Iwo Jima, Guadalcanal, Okinawa. Look at the schedule these guys play. <laughs> Speaking of Notre Dame, they have a bye this week. They have an overall 2-2 two and two record, and they will get ready to take on next Saturday, October 8th, BYU, and then they play Stanford, UNLV, and then the 29th, they will play Syracuse in Syracuse. That'll be a great game. And then they got Clemson, Navy, Boston College, and November 26th, they finish their season out with Southern Cal. Not a start you would want if you were the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Andy. They started off 0-2. They've won two in a row, but there's definitely some worries about this team thus far. Well, Notre Dame lost to Marshall, right? I mean, yes. Notre Dame, is first of all, they shouldn't even be playing Marshall. But second of all, they certainly shouldn't lose to them. You know, that was, uh, that, that was a real shocker. How does Notre Dame lose to Marshall? So we have some key interesting games in college football this weekend, and the Wisconsin Badgers at 2-2 two and two will get ready to play a big game this weekend, Andy, as I root hard for Wisconsin as my niece is a freshman there at the University of Madison. So all of a sudden I reincarnate myself as a Badger fan. Back in the high school days, I was a Badger fan where that was my high school mascot, and now I'm a Badger fan again. I uh, Michigan State in college basketball. Yes, I've always been a Michigan uh, State fan. Wisconsin plays Illinois this week. So any other college football uh, things that stand out to you this coming week, Andy? I think we we hit the highlights here, yeah. Now you got the Utah Utes. (laughs) <laughs> three and one. The Oregon Ducks are three and one, and that one loss was a blowout to Georgia. You remember that one? But uh, they've recovered from that, and they've won their next three. The Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, quack 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 quack. What have you found, Andy, over the years with college football? 
What has impressed you the most as this sport has evolved through the years with college football? Because for a lot of people, it doesn't have the same appeal that the NFL has. It leaves a lot to be desired in the length of game with penalties and officiating and long, long drawn out games and much more clock stoppages. I mean, it's been dominated by a certain few teams. Yeah, it uh, has know, been. That are, that are just up there year in and year out, you know. And you uh, definitely think you that You enjoy the... the upsets. Whenever you get an upset, you enjoy it. But it's just been too too much domination by too few teams. Well, when they look to implement the new playoff system to 12 teams next year, you definitely think that'll help the sport, correct? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I've always felt that all the conferences... At least uh, every undefeated team in a major conference uh, should get a shot at that national title. And I think that would improve the odds of that happening. Speaking of college football, before we take our final break and put a bow on this particular broadcast this week, University of Texas San Antonio with 19 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter leads Montana State University 45 to 30. It just turned final in that game. San Diego State down to Boise State on the blue turf in Boise, Idaho. 35 13 in that game as Boise State will look to win that game with about four and a half left to play. Washington leads UCLA 7 to 2 as UCLA just got a safety. The University of New Mexico taking on University Nevada, Las Vegas, the UNLV Running Rebels. What a name that is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He was the first quarterback picked uh, in 1984 out of UNLV, the Running Rebel. Nothing. And he lived up to that name. <laughs> yep. That game is just kicking off. It's nothing, nothing. In the first, Tulane beat Houston in overtime, 27-24. Those are your scores for week five in college football as they always give you some prime time Friday night games to enjoy throughout the season. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to give you our week four NFL picks again on the baseball side. The Mets lose the first of an important weekend series five to two to the Atlanta Braves as they fall there to Atlanta in game one of a three game set at true East park five to two as Jacob deGrom suffers the loss and Aaron judge gets a hit for the Yankees, but the Yankees lose two to one to the pesky Orioles who get their 81st win of this 2022 season. And the Phillies won the first of what was supposed to be a day night doubleheader before the nightcap was rained out due to the remnants of Ian hitting the nation's capital with severe rain all night. That was, Doubleheader will be made up tomorrow. The Phillies did win the first game 5-1. to one. And quickly, I do want to see what the Brewers are doing as the Brewers are playing to try and survive and stave off the, the Phillies Marlins, right? for that third spot in the wild card. Brewers beat the Marlins one nothing. 
So Milwaukee did win. They beat the Marlins 1-0 in Don Mattingly's final days as skipper for the Miami Marlins. You know, one, one thing the Marlins do is they can throw some pitching at you. <laughs> they just don't hit very well. And this Phillies-Brewers race may go right down to the final day, Andy. Yeah, it's looking like it. Yeah, the, since the Phillies uh, did not uh, do very well in Chicago, so now they're uh, trying to grind through it. This is the Sports Buzz as we stream live on Clubhouse and we make it available for podcast playback. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu, passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. And we welcome one and all who listen in on a weekly basis. And we thank you for your support and we ask you to do us a favor. Spread the word to everybody who is a sports junkie out there that the Sports Buzz is your daily digital destination for sports talk that you won't get on FM radio, that you definitely won't get on the subscription service of Sirius XM satellite radio, but you did get it back in the day from 2006 to 2010 on 91.9 WNTI FM in the great city of Hackettstown, New Jersey, in Northwest New Jersey. And after 13 years, I decided to get me and Andy, the band, back together again to recreate what we did back then and bring it to the digital space. And we couldn't be prouder to come to the microphones on a week-in and week-out basis and bring you our style of hard-hitting sports talk. We're going to step aside for our final break when we come back We will have our week four NFL picks and we will wrap up this sports talk extravaganza right after these messages. Hi, I'm Fuad Reves. I'm a home builder. And I have a question for all of you out there who are building your dream home. Are you making plans so your home will have healthier indoor air? It's an important question because there's a deadly invisible radioactive gas that can seep into homes from underground. It's radon gas. And when you breathe it in, it can cause lung cancer. Among non-smokers, radon is the number one cause of lung cancer. The good news is that it's simple to build a home so radon is not a problem. Building your home radon resistant is a good, inexpensive way to stop radon from entering your home. Any builder can do it. So protect your family, talk to your builder, tell them you want a healthier, safer dream house. You'll have better dreams. Learn more. Visit the EPA at epa.gov slash radon. That's epa.gov slash radon. This public service announcement is brought to you by the EPA, who does not endorse this particular builder or any other commercial enterprise. And welcome back to the Sports Buzz. Kevin Wolf and Andy Loigu as we wrap up the month of September on this final evening of September before we flip the calendar to October. Sports Buzz Show 1 at gmail.com. Sports Buzz Show, the number one at gmail.com is where you can reach me directly via email. And now... Like we do every week throughout the NFL season, Andy, it's that time where we give our weekly NFL picks. And this is a segment that we enjoy greatly week in and week out because it's a fun competition. And quickly looking at last week, I had a bad week. I went one in three 
And my record as it stands entering week four is 6-5. And that one dumb tie between the Texans and the Colts in week one finds me with a tie. So my overall record is 6-5-1. and one. And Andy Loigu had a great week. And he needed to bounce back last week in the worst way. And he did as he had a 3-1 and one record in week three. And he now has an overall record of 6-6. Six and six, So he is hovering right under me to try and take the lead over me for the picks in 20. 22. You were tough competition back then, Andy, and you continue to be tough competition now with these weekly NFL picks as you continue to battle me neck and neck, week in and week out. Well, these first few weeks, you know, it's just you, you're trying to figure the league out. <laughs> you know, it, there's a settling in process that the league is undergoing, uh, you know, in the early stage of the season. So why don't we do it? Why don't we begin our picks for week number four in the league where they play for pay? So just again, overall, I went one and three last week. I need to really bounce back this week. And I looked at four games, and these four games drew my interest the most when it comes to picking games for week four. And in game number one, the first game I look at is the Tennessee Titans traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. The Colts are coming off of that victory against the Chiefs last week, 20-17. to The Titans beat the Raiders 24-22 in a close game last week the bottom line with the titans was the ground game was not working for them last week Tannehill did not make a lot of big plays he made enough plays to get the titans the win and matt ryan was 27 of 37 for the colts threw for 222 yards and two touchdowns and he looked like he was in mid-season form when he was in a falcons jersey last season and seasons before that and i just think the colts have momentum right now this is going to be a big game for them it's a rivalry game they always play close to the vest football when they match up against the tennessee titans and i think the colts are going to end up winning this game 34 to 20 i like the colts over the titans game number one game number two is the Cleveland Browns traveling to Atlanta. You know, when the season started and the whole Deshaun Watson debacle became a significant storyline for this Browns team, I didn't have much faith in them. But I've watched them the last few weeks, and I like a lot of what I've seen from Jacoby Bursett. I like a lot what I see on the ground with the run game led by Nick Chubb. And I just think the Browns are a fun team right now. They got a good head coach in Kevin Stefanski. They got a good offensive game plan every week. And I think they're going to find a way to go out and win a close one against the Atlanta Falcons, who are still rebuilding a bit. The Falcons aren't totally where you want them to be as an NFL team yet in the state of Georgia. Marcus Mariota is not a big play quarterback. I think the Browns have a little bit more to work with in this game. 
And really, if the Falcons win, it's going to have to be on the feet of Cordell Peterson, who led the way last week with a career-high 141 yards and a touchdown. But I think the Browns' defense will be able to stop the Falcon run game, which will be the difference in this game. Therefore, I like the Browns by a field goal, 23-20, game number two, to beat the Atlanta Falcons. The next game, they've been up and down this season, but they're very hard to go against when they need a win. Mike Tomlin is going to have the Pittsburgh Steelers readily prepared and raring to go. The Jets had a lackluster performance last week. Zach Wilson returning in week four. You don't know how prepared and ready he's going to be to lead this team to victory. The Jets have a lot of question marks surrounding them right now, and they just haven't been a complete team. I get they had a big win in week two, but they haven't shown me in all three phases that they can win a mistake-free, clean football game. Therefore, I think the Steelers, with a few extra days of rest coming off of that Thursday night loss in Week 3, is going to find a way to come out. I think Trubitsky's going to have a good game, and I think the Steelers are going to win 20-10, game number three over the New York Jets. Game number four... Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals will travel to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I've liked what I've seen out of the Cardinals' offense this season. I get that they're 1-2, but they have a huge, huge big play ability offensively, the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury is going to throw a lot of different trickery at you in a game each week. And I just think right now the Cardinals are the better team than the Panthers. Matt Rule has some pressure on him. You haven't seen a lot out of Baker Mayfield since he's put a Panther helmet on. I don't know if the Panthers' defense is going to be able to tame the ground game of the Cardinals and the running ability that Murray has with his feet. Therefore, I think the Cardinals will win a close one in a low-scoring game, 17-13. to 13. So my picks for week number four, to round it out, I have the Colts over the Titans, 34-20. Browns over the Falcons, 23-20. Game number three, I have the Steelers beating the Jets in Pittsburgh, 20-10. And we will end this week's picks with the Cardinals winning on the road in Carolina against the Panthers, 17-13 as I try to bounce back from a 1-3 record in Week 3. Andy, take it away. All righty. I'll start off with the uh, Eagles uh, welcoming former coach Doug Peterson and uh, Trevor Lawrence and those Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, I will go with the Birds, the Eagles, uh, make it 27-21. Uh, over the Jacksonville Jaguars as the Eagles continue to fly, Eagles fly. Okay, now a little risky pick here, uh, staying in the NFC East. I'm going to take a chance on the Giants over the Chicago Bears, the Bears, in a fairly low-scoring game. 
uh, look for the Giants to pull this one out, uh, 16 to 14. And uh, I like the improved Detroit Lions over the Seattle Seahawks. Go with those Lions roaring away. And this will be a fairly high-scoring one. I think uh, make it about 31 to 27. And I got one more here to go. And we've got the uh, Packers playing the Patriots in an interesting matchup. Uh, The Patriots are going to compete, but Green Bay is kind of a big play team, and they'll they'll probably uh, find their way into the end zone a few times and uh, prevail. I got the Green Bay Packers over the New England Patriots uh, make this one uh, 30 to 21. Okay, so I've got the New York Giants over the Bears, 16 to 14. The Detroit Lions over the Seahawks, 31 to 27. Eagles will fly, Eagles fly over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 27-21. And I got the Packers over the Patriots, 30 to 21. And there you have it. Those are our picks in week four of the National Football League as we progress weekly. It gets harder and harder to pick these games and it gets harder and harder to try and go out there and get a winning record as me and Andy battled and battled year in and year out season after season for four consecutive years on 91.9 WNTI FM and if I'm not mistaken Andy I believe every year came down to a game or two when all was said and done when the week 17 matchup ended and I could have gone Cowboys over Commanders but that's too easy (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't do that one. <laughs> well, if you're looking to bet an easy game this week, that would be the go-to game to bet this week if you're looking to win some money, the Cowboys over the Commanders. Yeah. And as you could say, nothing is ever a sure bet because anything can happen on any given Sunday. But I think you should feel very confident as a Cowboy fan that you're going to go in this Sunday and get the job done against the Washington Commanders. Yeah, poor Carson Wentz. Uh, I kind of had a feeling last week. I said Wentz would be getting acquainted with his old Philadelphia buddies because they'll be helping him up after sacks. And uh, and they did indeed knock um, Wentz down a few times in that game. Wentz is having a rough time over there. And it's too bad. He's a nice guy. But, uh, you know. That's the NFL. Yes, it is. And this time next Friday, Andy, when we come to the microphones, we will be in postseason baseball as it'll be the month of October. And the wild card games will be taking place next Friday, a week from tonight, as the season will finish up on Wednesday as the Braves, if I'm not mistaken, will play the Marlins to finish out their season after this series. And the Mets will play the Nationals to finish out their 2022 season. And the Phillies get the Astros. Oh, joy, oh, joy. (laughs) Oh, boy. So you know what, Andy? It's actually funny that you say that because this series now this weekend then will be the pivotal series for the Phillies to try and hold on to that third spot because the Astros are going to be a tall order. Yeah, they need to get four with Washington and then see what happens and hope Milwaukee can lose a few times. Well, Andy... 
what a show it's been. We've been all over the map tonight. We went from baseball to football to broadcasting to the good morning football show to college football we really gave a nice potpourri of everything happening in the world of sports and we even added our own touch to some of the segments tonight so any final thoughts as we wrap up this episode the walrus is out of here <laughs> the harry harry callis was there with his out of here by the way Andy, he did that a lot of times for michael jack schmidt by the way if the phillies uh end up getting into the postseason and have a chance to play a home game do you plan on traveling down to citizens bank park to see a game well, the uh, the way I understand it is at least uh, the three six uh, the three seed being a division champion, but uh, playing in the wild card round, uh, the three seed will play the whole thing at home. So if the Phillies are playing the Cardinals, uh, they won't have any home games. Now I did see a, a Phillies postseason game a few years back against the Colorado Rockies. Uh, I remember they played them in a series. Uh, that, that's the last uh, postseason game that I got to see. That you know the Phillies haven't been in the postseason for a decade here. You know this is, uh, and uh, I can't say their odds are better than fifty-fifty that they'll make it this year. It's been a little while for the Phillies as far as getting into the postseason. Now, when was but the it's last been time for Seattle? When was <laughs> the last time you went to an Eagles home football game? Oh, the Eagles, uh, I've, I've managed to get out there a few times. Uh, the last time I saw an Eagles game was in uh, 2018, I think I got out there to a game, yeah. Uh, I've seen the Eagles uh, quite a few times. Uh, I've seen them play the Giants in person a few times and the Jets. And uh, I've seen them play Minnesota. I've seen them play New Orleans, Atlanta. One of the best games I ever saw was the Eagles against Atlanta. They came from three touchdowns back and won it in overtime on a 99-yard touchdown by the guy who's their uh, analyst now on the radio, Mike Quick. Yeah, he, he's uh, Merrill Reese's broadcast partner, you know, the analyst, Mike Quick. And he's been doing it for quite a few years, and he scored a 99-yard overtime touchdown to beat Atlanta in a game that I was at. I'll tell you a funny thing about uh, going to see the Eagles. Like, uh, I've gone to games uh, with Adele through the years, uh, and usually at baseball games, uh, we'd move down as the game would go on, get better seats, and as the game went on, go further down, get better seats. But the first time she went to an Eagles game with me, we were, like, in the top level, way up there, and she, like, had a hard time catching her breath. We were up so high. And she says, Andy, I, I don't know if I can – Sit here, uh, yeah. She was like, <gasps> yeah, and she says, and she says, can't we move down? And I said, well, it's a sellout. Yeah, there's there's no place we can move down. I said, just take a deep breath, sit back, and after all, she got used to it. But just we were sitting up so high that that she was like, uh, like the, the thin air, you know, like <gasps> she was she was really scared. Yeah. And I, and, and right away she says, well, can't we move down? <laughs> no, not in an Eagles game. Well, that caps off <laughs> this episode of the Sports Buzz as tomorrow we turn the calendar to October and we get ready to come back to you live next Friday night 
For more hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports content you won't find anywhere else, sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com, sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Passionate sports talk for the hardcore fan is our daily motto. We started off this broadcast with Queen and We Will Rock You. We will end this broadcast with Queen and We Are the Champions. He was Andy Loigu. I was Kevin Wolf. This was the Sports Buzz. Until next time, enjoy your weekend of football. Let's hope the Mets can win the NL East. And let's hope yours truly, Kevin Wolf, can come to the microphone next week and Andy can join us remotely with both of our baseball teams playing in the baseball postseason vying for the fall classic. Folks, it's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. And I leave you with Queen and We Are the Champions. Adios until next time.